windows bust or something. <laughs> Somebody's pacemaker. I'm telling you, I did. It's just, just, it's just a blessing to be uplifted in song. Such a blessing. And we pre- appreciate every last one of them. Let's go Philippians chapter 1. Could I give you a few more? A few more nuggets. We got hung up on that piece last week. And I rushed out of here and told you I'd be back. <laughs> you came back too. Thank you so much. We have a host of folks that are not a part of Crossroads Baptist Church that tune in and follow us and listen in. That's a stewardship, isn't it? It's a responsibility, isn't it? To make sure that what we're doing in the auditorium is not just for us, but for those who are listening. Amen. When we checked through sermon audio, it was up to about 63 countries over the globe that are getting preaching from Crossroads Baptist Church. Look, 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 if, if, look, if they're coming to the restaurant, we better make sure we got some food. Amen. Amen. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 says that when an unbeliever comes into the assembly, don't turn there. Uh, this ain't the message. This is just uh, uh, cheese sticks, buffalo wings. Are y'all look bougie because Spinach and artichoke, dear. First uh, Corinthians 14 said the unbeliever is convinced of all that the truth in the church is being preached. Convinced of all. It doesn't say the unbeliever is convinced of the pastor. It says convinced of all. So let's be practical. If I'm preaching and the unbeliever comes into Crossroads Baptist Church and I'm preaching the truth, how do all of you convince the unbeliever that I'm preaching the truth? Amen. So you have a responsibility to respond to preaching because your response convinces the unbeliever that that man ain't the only person in the auditorium that believes what he's saying. Amen. So you say, I'm going to church. Whether I go to church, don't really matter. I, you know, I've slept and played on my phone. I didn't really say anything. No, 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 no. Your response to preaching helps validate to a lost man, the word of God. Now, don't say amen if I'm wrong, but don't say nothing if I'm right because you're helping convince the unbeliever. Philippians chapter 1. Paul is writing, he and Timothy, as servants of Christ to all the saints, verse number 1, in Christ Jesus, at Philippi, and today you saw leadership on display, bishops and deacons. Same way of saying pastors and deacons. Here on on the floor today, you saw pastors and deacons. They represent the two offices prescribed by Jesus for the church. And so Paul is addressing leadership because Paul knew that if you're going to get lay people to go somewhere, you need to get leaders going somewhere. And then he addresses them this way, grace and peace unto you. From God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Let the church say amen. amen. Father, add thy blessing to the reading of your word. Cleanse me of sin, empty me of self, and fill me with your spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Grace and peace. This is how Paul chose to greet the church at Philippi. We'll not go back and review the history of Paul and Philippi. But suffice it to say he went to a city that God sent him to and he started the church. So these people that he's writing to are not strangers to him. 
When he met them, they were lost. When he left them, they were saved. Aren't you glad for the time somebody met you lost and left you saved? I'm talking, about, I'm talking about somebody whose feet were shod with the preparation of the gospel. I'm talking about a soul winner personified. I'm talking about somebody that didn't just talk to you about politics, talk to you about sports, talk to you about who you're rooting for at the Super Bowl, but somebody that took time to tell you the greatest message ever been told, that Jesus died, he was buried, and he rose again. And then the power and potency of the gospel erupted inside of you. You put your faith and trust in that message. You accepted Christ as your Savior. You were born again, not of corruption seed, but by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever, the Holy Ghost laid, came to live inside of you. You were dead, now alive. You were blind, now you could see. You were lost, now you were found. Your destination changed from heaven to hell. Your father changed from Adam to God. Your family changed from the family of Satan to the family of Almighty Jesus Christ. You got saved. Thank God that there are still some people in a crazy world full of people talking about a bunch of nonsense. There are still some people that will take the time and talk about what needs to be talked about, and that's Jesus Christ. And so that's what Paul talked about in Philippi. And they got saved, the church got planted, and now he's writing back to this church that's very dear to him. And he's writing back in Philippians chapter 1, and we've, we have dissected our theme for this year from verse number 9, that your love may abound yet more and more. Say it with me, more and more. And Paul is saying you got something good in you, Philippi. My prayer from jail, my prayer from prison is that what's good in you would grow and overflow more and that there'd never be a pause on your growth, that there'd never be a stymie on your growth, that there'd never be a hesitant, there'd never be a kink in the chain of your, that, that your growth would be continued. Watch, he didn't say your finances, he didn't say your health all the time would be moving up. He didn't say that your friendships with people would be moving up, but he did say that your love would abound bound more. I wonder how many Christians are sitting in church today where you should be, but while you're sitting here, there's a pause on your love. Your, your growth, some, some, somehow, some, some way, you, you, you've hit a hiccup in your growth and you, you, you're stuck. You're stuck in the Christian life, moving nowhere. That's not the intention of God. That's not the intention of the Apostle Paul, and it should not be your intention either, that your love would abound more and more. So he comes in with the introductory greeting to lead up to verse number nine, and he comes in introducing himself as a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. He knew who he was, and that's what all of us are. We're all servants. The question is not whether we're servants. The question is whether or not we know it. <laughs> There's a whole lot we are, but we act like we're something else. We have too many superstars in the Christian world. Everybody's trying to be somebody. Everybody's trying to be a first-round draft pick. There's no such thing. We were all headed to hell. There were no draft picks. God didn't pick us because we were good. He picked us because he could take bad and make it good. Anything good in you, you are by the grace of God. Somebody say amen. Somebody say amen because you know where he brought you from. Come on now all over the building. You know what you were down in the muck and mire of sin, rolling around in debauchery and depravity and thinking it was good until one day you met Jesus. Amen. And something was awakened in you to realize all that mess I had was like hog's food. And when you met Jesus, you did like the disciple. You dropped what you were doing and you followed the Lord Jesus. I hope there's not anybody in the building that's saved and regretting it because if you did, you need to take what you got and turn it back in because what I got when I got saved is never regretful. Amen. And so he, he begins to give them this greeting, this self-classification to the specific congregation, this stated consolation he gives them of grace and peace. He's trying, he's trying to help people. I mean, real people living in a real world that are, going with, that are dealing with real problems. Anybody like that in the building? Y'all real people? 
Y'all live in the real world? Y'all got real problems? You got a little loud on that one. <laughs> Guess it's real. Somebody said the struggle is real. Yeah, so is Jesus. So is grace. You believe grace is real? Or you just think it's just something, you think it's a catchphrase. Grace and peace. Peace, my brother. Peace, peace. No, no, no. It's real. It's real. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid that a lot of people are quoting it, but not a lot of people are experiencing it. Amen. And so he says, grace is the foundational root. That's how you get saved. Fruit, uh, peace is the fruitful result. That's what's happening in your life because you're saved. It took grace to save you, and the result of your salvation was peace. Nobody listening to me? Peace didn't save you. The Bible didn't say, for by peace are you saved. Well, I'm teaching now. I wish somebody would say amen. This is good, even if I'm saying it. The Bible didn't say, for by peace are you saved. It said, by, by grace are you saved. You had to get grace to get in on peace. Amen. See, once the grace got you in, the peace is what you got that you were in. See, see some things you can't get, you can't be a part of until you're enrolled. Somebody thank God that grace enrolled you. Amen. You can go, listen, you can go to class all semester, sit in a seat, take notes, and, and take a test and put the right answers down. But you're not going to get credit for the class if you were not registered. But I was here every day. I listened to your lectures. I was sitting in that seat. I could answer all the questions on the test. Do we have a record that you've been registered in this institution? No, sir. Then the class doesn't count. There are people that are going to church every Sunday. They're putting their tithes and offerings every Sunday. They're, they've got a ministry in the church. They, they, they sing in the choir. They, they read the Bible. They pray. They do good things. But when they get to heaven, they're not going to heaven unless they've been registered. The Bible said, for by grace are you saved. Practically, when you accepted God's grace, you got registered in the family of God. And upon your registration, you inherited some perks. And one one of those perks was peace. Somebody say amen. Grace and peace. Yeah, and the, the grace is peace comes from us as a sovereign contribution. God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. God's the unique author and Jesus is the ultimate accomplisher. So the sensible conclusion about this consolation, I mean this, this grace and peace that he gave us, the sensible conclusion is if, if Paul is wishing grace and peace on the body of Christ at Philippi, then, then the body of Christ ought to be living through that grace and peace every day. So, so if grace and peace has been given to us by God and Jesus to Crossroads Baptist Church, then the members of Crossroads Baptist Church ought to be living through that grace and peace every day. Anybody, are we on the same page? Did God give you grace and peace? So then every day this week, you should have been living off that grace and peace. Now, now, wait a minute. Now, you can't live off the same bread in your house because it's going to get moldy. You can't live off the same milk because it's going to spoil. You can't live off the same chicken because it's been eaten up. You know, as I said, milk and bread go bad. Chicken gets eaten. <laughs> but you can live off of grace and peace because it never gets stale, it never gets spoiled, and it never runs out. Amen. We talked about grace. You live off of grace through saving grace, serving grace, standing grace. Speaking grace, singing grace, sufficient grace, supporting grace, suffering grace, sanctifying grace, and sustaining grace. I am what I am by the grace of God. Somebody thank God for grace. Now, are you living in peace? That's what we talked about last week. Because the grace should be God's powerful enablement, but the peace should be our practical experience. Did you live in peace this week? What do you mean? Wholeness, completeness, soundness, quietness, rest, and unity. Let me hasten and finish. Peace with the sovereign. You get that when you get saved. The moment you got saved, you got peace with God. 
You didn't have to, you didn't have to earn it after five years. You didn't have to act saved for one year to get peace with God. The moment you got saved, you got peace with God. Because here's what, well, here's what happened when you got saved. Your sins got washed away. Somebody help me preach. No, no, y'all must not know how sinful you were because you didn't say nothing. I said your sins got washed away. Now, you know you couldn't pay for your sins. You know you couldn't get into heaven with your sins. You know you certainly weren't sinless. So if he washed your sins away, you ought to be glad about it. And that's why you had peace with God because what separated you from God was sin. So if God took care of the sin, you were no longer separated. And the only one that could, could bridge the gap between you and God was someone who was like you and like God at, woo, at the same time. And there's only been one man that way. There's only one man that was man and God at the same time. And by the way, that means in order to be man and God at the same time, it meant you had to be God before you were man. Preach, pastor. And he was God before he was man. And he didn't stop being God when he became man. And he was, he's still God when he went back to heaven. And he's still going to be God when he comes and gets us. And he's still going to be God when we get up to heaven. And he was God in the beginning. And he was God in the eternity past. And he'll be God in the eternity future because God is always God and will never stop being God. And I'm glad he's God. That's why Paul said to Timothy, there's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Only one person that could get in between you and me. And instead of bringing God down to us, he took us up to God. What a God. So you get peace with the sovereign. Yeah, absolutely. We talk about peace from strife. <clears throat> if it be possible, let peace be with all men. This we got off, you know, kind of, kind of, kind of little, kind of. I would say sidetrack, but it wasn't sidetrack. I think we were still on the main road. I just think the Holy Ghost had us spend a little bit more time in peace with strife because there's so much strife going on among saved folks, saved Christian people, Christian people. You know what I found out? I found out that some Christian people keep living in strife because they refuse peace. You know what else I found out? That some Christians keep living in strife because they're not really Christians. Amen. Not everyone that said, Lord, Lord, shall enter my kingdom. Amen. You can go straight from the church role to hell's role. Amen. You're not going to get into heaven because you're a member of Crossroads Baptist Church. You're going to get into heaven because you're a member of the family of God. You may get in this church by water baptism, but you get in the family of God by being dipped in the blood of Christ. Peace from strife. Endeavoring. You've got to work at it. Working. It is possible. It is possible for believers to work together in unity. Amen. Give me, let me give you a couple more. Peace when struggling. These things have I spoken to you that, that you might have peace. In the world, you should have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. How many know what struggles are? Aren't you glad when you're struggling, you can have peace? Some of you have been going through it this week. Some, listen, I said some of you have been going through it, and you think the best thing in your life is to get out of that struggle. But listen to me. Sometimes God doesn't take you out of the struggle. God just gives you peace in the midst of the struggle. Amen. Some of you are struggling financially. You think you need money. I'm telling you, you've already got peace. Some of you are struggling physically. You think you need healing. I'm telling you, you've already got peace. Some of you are struggling marital. You think you need a divorce. I'm telling you, you need peace. Some of you are struggling with your family, with your parents. You think you need a new house. I'm telling you, you need peace. Listen to me. No amount of money, no separation, no doing what you want to do, no, no a lot of fame and fortune is going to give you what peace can give. I'm glad that when we're going through it and the devil's on our back and situations don't seem to work themselves out and we seem like we're just in a prolonged instance 
of trial and tribulation. Jesus says, you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Thank God one day we're going to look at the Prince of Peace face to face. But between now and then, it is possible in the midst of my struggles to have peace. Peace in storms. And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. You, you remember that story when the disciples were on the ship? Jesus was in the bottom sleep. Years ago, I went, to, I went to studying all my commentaries and looking it up in the Greek and expositing the verse and, and rightly dividing the truth and comparing Scripture with Scripture. I wanted to find some, some doctrinal explanation why Jesus went to sleep. And after hours and hours of study, I found out he went to sleep because he was tired. Same reason some of y'all sleep. You say, why is Jesus tired? Because men get tired. But hang on a little bit. He went to sleep because he was tired, but he called him the storm because he was God. Maybe you're in a storm today. Peace. Maybe you're going through something. Maybe the waves are rumbling in your life. Maybe the wind is blowing in your life. Maybe you feel like you're tossed to and fro. And maybe you feel like things just don't seem to settle. Maybe, maybe you feel like all week long you're getting pulled and tugged at it. And it seems like it just won't go away. Maybe it seems like the darkness is extended and the light is not going to come. Listen to me. I'm telling you, weeping endures for night, but joy comes in the morning. But you don't have to wait till the morning to have peace. While the wind is blowing and the waves are rocking and the lightning is flashing, you can have peace how about this one peace to sleep Psalm 4-8 I will both lay me down in peace and sleep for thou Lord only makest me dwell in safety how can I have peace to go to sleep to know that while my eyes are closed his are not somebody say amen I said, while my eyes are closed, here's or not. Listen, when you can't sleep because you're worried about your safety, you've forgotten whose hand you're in. Listen to me. You know what some Christians need to do in 2024? They need to learn how to go to sleep. Now, I'm not talking about a physical condition. I'm, talking, I'm, not talk, I'm talking about I can't sleep because I'm tossing and turning and I'm worried about tomorrow and I'm worried about my struggles and I'm worried about my stresses and I'm worried about my difficulties. Listen what the psalmist said. You, Lord, I'll lay down in peace because you, Lord, notice only makest me to dwell in safety. And by the way, you think your gun going to keep you safe? You think your muscles going to keep you safe? You think your neighborhood going to keep you safe? You think law enforcement, listen, nothing's wrong with anything I said. And listen, you ought to lock your doors, get your weapon if it's legal, live in a good neighborhood, get in with the cops, get a good security system, watch the cameras all the time so you can know who's breaking in or you can know when your kids are eating the leftovers. Watch it all. But ultimately, listen to me, people die with guns on them. People's houses get broken in with alarm systems. Huh? People get hurt in good neighborhoods. Hmm? People's cars get broken even though the, the doors were locked. 
You can't stop a thief from breaking in. You can't keep a murderer from killing. You ain't going to stop a fool from acting a fool. But I tell you somebody who can. Amen. You've got to know that he keeps me safe. Peace for sanity. And I'm almost done. That will keep him in perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed on that. I don't have time for it. I just ask you a question. How many feel like you're losing your mind sometimes? You know what Isaiah said? God will keep you in perfect peace. Philippians 6, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. What do you mean keep my mind? Protect my mind. Sustain my mind. Guard my mind. Listen, sometimes you feel I'm just losing my mind. I'm going crazy. I got all these people getting on my nerves. I got these people who won't do me right. I got these people that are treating me bad. I'm about to lose my mind. What do I do? Go to therapy. Nothing wrong with therapy. Don't, don't, but don't think the therapist is going to solve your problem. Get counseling. Nothing wrong with counseling. I do more counseling than, than probably I would ask to do. I'm glad to do it. But I've learned the best counseling I give is not telling people what to do, but getting them in a spot where they can hear him tell them what to do. Because he will keep them in perfect peace when their mind is You're not lacking peace because your problems. You're lacking peace because of your focus. Peace is not the absence of problems. Peace is not that I don't have problems. Peace is that my problems don't have me. You can have, you, listen, you can live in this crazy world without being crazy. And stop letting lost people make you think that Christianity is crazy. Marriage between a man and a woman is not crazy. It's right. It makes sense. That's how you have children. Yes. Act like you know what I'm talking about. What's crazy is when men and men get married because they can't have children because God never intended for them to be married. Or women and women. Don't want to leave anybody out who may need to be reminded of what logical and sane is. Well, listen, we're not dogging people out. We're not belittling people. We're not trying to bigot people. We're just simply saying, listen to me, crazy is not doing right. Crazy is doing wrong. Peace when you're scared. Peace I give you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth. Give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. What's scaring you? And what's scaring you from doing more for God? Can I tell you, peace can keep you from being scared. Amen. Y'all quiet. Y'all must have a lot of fears. Peace from stumbling. Great verse in the Bible. Rarely interpreted right. Psalm 119, 165. Great what? Have they that what? Love thy law. What's the law? Bible. I don't know why I don't have no peace in my life. Well, according to Psalm 119, 165, because you don't love the Bible. Well, you don't know what I love, Pastor. No, I'm just telling you what God said. You'd learn, listen, you'd have peace if you love God's word. Next phrase, and nothing shall work. In the New Testament, Jesus said, doth it offend you? It's the word scandalize you. Does it make you stumble? <laughs> Y'all know what I'm saying? See, if you love God's word and he gives you peace, you won't keep stumbling over stuff. That's what, that's, that's what the word offended means. Okay, people say great peace, blah, blah, blah. that means nobody will ever hurt your feelings. That's no, it's simply saying nothing will cause you to, 
to stumble spiritually and not keep walking the way you should walk. If you, I'm just saying if you love the word, you're going to have peace and you won't be tripping all the time. That's what I'm trying to say. I've never seen Christians I've, just look like some, most Christians looking for a reason to trip. I could, tell, I could tell from across the auditorium you looked at me funny. If you're looking at Jesus, you wouldn't have seen the look. I mean, we, we just, we just, we have a, we have a fence campaigns. We're looking for, get mad at people. We're looking, we're looking for a, a reason to be upset. Looking for somebody to hurt my, fall in love with Jesus through his word. People may run you down. They may lie on you. You ain't going to live long without getting gossiped on by somebody or run down or, or slandered or mistreated. Some friend's going to leave you and some money's going to get funny and situations to go wrong. But none of that has to cause you. You can still keep on walking with God because of peace. Peace to be still, and I'm finished. Jeremiah 29 is written to Israel. They're in Babylon. Uh, Judah, the southern kingdom, went into captivity in Babylon for how many years? Anybody know? 70 years. And they got there, and they were ready to leave. They, they, they thought, we, we just went into captivity. Surely God's going to deliver us immediately. No, God said, I'm not. You're going to stay there for 70 years. So through the prophet Jeremiah, he not only told them they were going to stay, but you know what he told them? Build houses. Plant vineyards. You know what he said? Settle down, settle in. You're going to be there. But watch this now. Just because you're there doesn't mean it's got to be the end of you. Then he gave them this verse. For I know the thoughts I think towards you. Whew, what a verse. Pastor, you don't know what I'm going through all week long. Man, you should see what the kind of people be saying about me and the, the way they run me down and the way they treat me. I mean, you wouldn't believe what people said about you. Who cares? God said he knows what he thinks about you. And how, how insulting it is for a Christian to elevate the value of an individual over how God values you. I'm not going, I'm not going back to church because somebody in there says something about me. What did God say about you? He said you're his child. Every time I go in there, she looks at me. I know what she's thinking. Yeah, but God said he knows what he's thinking. And then, he, and then he didn't stop there. If all he said was, I know what I'm thinking about you, you could have closed your Bible and said, you know what? Thank you, Lord. I'm going to serve you. But he didn't stop there. He said, I know what I'm thinking about you. Then he told you, what are you, what are you thinking about me, God? Thoughts of peace. <laughs> I'm going to work tomorrow. Them people, as soon as I walk in, uh, they grunt. Uh, they roll their eyes. Same girl sitting over there looking at with the, you little long nails, rolling their eyes, looking at me. Get on my last night. Walk on up and they say, good morning, good morning. What's wrong with you? Because God has peaceful thoughts about me. Think what you want to think. The one who put the stars in space and the moon in place. The one who put the sun hanging on nothing that it never falls down. The one who took from the dust of the ground and formed man and breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living to the omnipotent, all-powerful, omniscient, all-knowing, omnipresent. Everywhere at the same time, the immutable, unchangeable, the eternal was, who is, who is the righteous, just, 
holy, pure, long-suffering, patient, kind, gracious, merciful God. You can think about me how you please, but let me tell you something. I'll talk about you on my knees because God is thinking peace about me and not evil. He never has bad thoughts about me. And then listen, to give you an expected end. Peace to be still. Here's what he's telling. Don't try to get out of Babylon. Why didn't Paul write to Philippi about a spiritual, a spiritually designed jailbreak strategy? Hey, y'all, Philippi, I'm in prison. Uh, if you come through the back door around the corner and say the name of Jesus five times, the rails will fall down. I can get up out of here. And what a great book we could write in Philippi about a jailbreak. He didn't write about a jailbreak. He wrote four chapters of them. He knew he was in jail because God let him be in jail. But jail wasn't going to stop Paul. So he was still in jail. And Jeremiah is saying to Judah, you're in Babylon. You don't want to be there. There's no temple. There's no altar. There's no worship of God. You can't sing the songs of God in a strange land. But God let you be there. Build your houses. Because guess what? Babylon may be miserable, but Babylon is not forever. And peace doesn't mean I like how things are. Peace means I believe that eventually they're going to change. Do you believe it? Some of you some of you ought to get happy today, not because of what your bank account looks like, but happy because you know eventually it's got to get better. I mean, you can only go up from zero. <laughs> some of you talking about zero, Pastor, that would be an improvement. How about negative? Bryant, Bryant was over there and said, go down, Pastor. Keep me in the message. Keep me in the message. That's why we don't have peace, because we don't believe God has an expected end. Grace and peace. I promise you next week we're going to finally move on to verse number three. <laughs> but how are you going to deal with three if you can't learn how to use what you get into? Grace and peace. Let's take the totality of God's contribution in our lives and utilize it. You got all the grace you need. For today. What about tomorrow? James said, he giveth more grace. His grace is sufficient. Use it. Use it. For all of those areas. And how about peace? Use it. For every area in your life. Why? These are the avenues and the vehicles through which our love can abound more and more. Father, thank you. Bless your people. Let's touch you. Your head's about, Pastor, I'm going to heaven and I know it. I'm saved and I know it. If you know it, would you raise your hand? Save, save, save. Grace got me in. Yeah. Grace was the root. Peace was the result. I'm saved. God bless you. Put your hands down. Pastor, I'm saved, but I've got some areas in my life where I need to utilize grace and peace. I need them. You heard them all. We don't have to talk about all of them again. You just know somewhere in there you need some grace and peace. You got it. God gave it. Jesus bought it. You need to be utilizing it. Would you put your hand up? Come on. Oh, my soul. All over. On the floor and in the balcony. Thank you for your honesty. 
changed me. One more question. You say, preacher, I'm not sure if I died today I'd go to heaven. But I don't want to go to hell. I'm not sure if I died today I'd go to heaven, but I don't want to go to hell. Please pray for me. Would you raise your hand? Anybody like that? Let me pray for you. Anybody? This is the most important question you'll ever, you'll ever answer, the most important you'll ever be asked. God help us. Lord, touch your people one more time. You've given us this grace. Christ has accomplished what needed to take place for us to enjoy this grace. Now may grace enable us and may may your peace be experienced. Every day. Not just when we feel spiritual when we come to church, but every day. Only, only your grace and peace. In Jesus' name, amen. All God's children said, amen. Thanks for being here. Guests and visitors, thank you.